Welcome to the Resilience Report, where each week we share the latest on companies engaging in inspirational solutions for our planet and engage with ecopreneurs and lighthouse leaders disrupting the respective industries in pursuit of better, more resilient business. I'm your host, Lauren Scott. Thank you for joining me as we dive into this week's report. If the name Nutshell Cooler sounds familiar to you, you might have seen their innovative coconut husk insulated coolers being covered by Forbes, Fast Company, or CNN. Or maybe you saw it on Kickstarter, where they reached their funding goal in just seven hours. Or maybe, like me, it stopped you mid-scroll when you saw their gorgeous product on Instagram. So who is Nutshell Coolers, and how did they become one of the chicest, most environmentally and socially conscious coolers out there? On this episode of The Resilience Report, we sit down with Tamara Meckler, co-founder and COO of Nutshell Coolers. Tamara studied at Stanford University, where she received a Bachelor of Science in Behavioral Biology and a Master's of Science in Sustainable Development. Previously, Tamara worked in community-based conservation and environmental education in the U.S. and in her home countries of Spain and Mexico. Tamara and her team are such an inspiration, and it is incredible to learn details about the coconut husks that go into building their coolers, the income generated in local communities from purchasing those husks, and the CO2 emissions and the plastic foam that is avoided with each cooler. In a nutshell, this is one episode I know our resilience reporters are going to love. Well, welcome to the Resilience Report, Tamara. I'm so happy to have you on today's episode. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. So your company started from a really unique approach as a graduate student design project, which is unlike other projects and other companies we've had on the show. So could you share a little bit about how that got started? Sure. Yeah, that's right. I think it's a bit of an unconventional founding story. My co-founder and I met at Stanford at design school class called Design for Extreme Affordability. And in this class, students from different departments at the university are partnered with an international NGO to apply the human-centered design principles that we are taught to the challenges that they're solving in the communities that they work around the globe. So we were partnered with the marine conservation NGO RARE. They work in the Philippines, and they were looking to us to work with them on developing cold chain solutions for artisanal fisher folk. So that's the first thing that brought us to the Philippines and the place, the first place where we got started. We lived with fisher folk and their families immediately after graduating. Uh, we moved to an artisanal tuna fishing village called Lubang Island. And essentially, we were there to design better coolers. So we would go out fishing with them. We would follow their catch around from the moment that it was caught and taken out of the sea to you know the, the boat trip, the jeepney, the ferry, all the way until it reached the markets or restaurants in major cities like Manila, where it was going to be consumed by you know the, the end consumer. And so through that process, we saw that the main product being used in these secret supply chains was styrofoam and styrofoam coolers. And we saw all the ways in which these styrofoam products were failing users. And not just that, but also all of the piles of plastic trash and, you know, styrofoam beads that were floating around and essentially either stacking up on land or we were even finding them out at sea um, when we were going on those fishing trips. So, you know, we, we saw a problem there, both from a user experience and also from an environmental pollution point of view. 
And at the same time, we found out that just nearby in coconut farms around the Philippines, there was another massive source of waste. So the Philippines is one of the world's largest coconut producers. And coconut husks are the leftover waste of this coconut oil and coconut water industry. And they Mm -hmm. accumulate on piles at the farms and end up being burned by the billions. But as they say, waste is only waste if you waste it. So we started experimenting with these husks. And yeah, soon enough, we realized that coconut fibers are actually naturally insulating and excellent at that. And since then, uh, all of our new cooler designs have incorporated this, this new insulation material. I love that expression. I've never heard it. Uh, waste is only waste if you waste it. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So on the topic of waste, um, certainly Nutshell Coolers looks at both the environmental side, which kind of has that classic waste component, and then the social side as well. Could you help us maybe understand a little bit deeper on the environmental side to start with as to what does that look like from an environmental impact for the classic cooler industry, if you will, and then what approach has Nutshell Coolers taken? Yeah, so I was mentioning the issue that we saw with styrofoam in seafood cold chains. But the issue is not just in seafood, it's not just in cold chains. Really, the insulation market globally is dominated by styrofoam or uh, products like styrofoam, essentially other forms of plastic foams. And that's also true in insulated outdoor gear, unfortunately, which is kind of counterintuitive because the people who participate in outdoor recreation are usually the people who are most concerned about environmental degradation. And I'm sure people who care the most about being really conscious about the materials that we're choosing and and using in our product. But when you walk into any outdoor retailer, you're essentially surrounded by plastic products. That's just the reality. And, you know, it's the way it's that way for a reason. Plastics have been designed to have all of these great performance-oriented qualities like being waterproof or being insulating in this case. And that means that it's a default material for most brands. But actually, there's a lot of upcycled, recycled, and natural alternatives that can match, if not outperform, plastics. So at Nutshell, we have a different approach where we think of nature as essentially our deep tech lab R&D. And we enjoy the fruits of its labor, literally. So if you think about it, coconuts are the original cooler. They've been keeping water fresh in the tropical heat for centuries. And so there's a lot to learn there. And that's what it comes down to for us. We are building better products with better materials. Yeah, we like to say that we are designing products that last decades, but not millennia. That's really interesting. And even in perusing your site, it seems like your liner has con- environmental considerations as well. And just if you can help, I mean, certainly we're going to encourage everybody to go check out what it looks like. But if you could explain that component as well. Yeah, that's right. So coconut fiber is our insulation material, but there are other components that go into making a finished product like a cooler. And so we have sourced other upcycled and recycled materials, including recycled plastic, to make sure that, you know, there's a lot of thought and and thoughtfulness into every component of the final product. And this thoughtfulness definitely extends to the social side. And I think this is a big part of how Nutshell Coolers came to be. Could you share a little bit more about how you work with your suppliers in bringing this finished product to, to light? Yeah, yeah. A big part of our mission at Nutshell is to connect people to the makers behind their gear. And we feel that we have a really unique opportunity to do so 
because our material really has a very cool and unusual story of both, you know, the way that we source it and the impact that is embedded into this material. So as I mentioned, our raw material is leftover coconut husks. And we actually buy these husks directly from smallholder farmers in the Philippines and farmer cooperatives. And what that means is that we are providing them with additional income. So we're literally turning something that was trash for them into an additional source of income, into money for these rural communities all over the Philippines. And it's not just that. These piles of coconut husks, as I mentioned, were previously burned as waste. And that was happening at the farms and it releases mm -hmm. unhealthy smoke for the farmers and their families. And it also emits CO2 emissions. So we're avoiding that as well. And then secondly, we also process our fibers and create our insulation panels within the co coconut farming community. So that means that we're creating rural jobs and professional development opportunities in some of the poorest regions of the Philippines. And yeah, this is a model that we will continue to grow. You know, we, we envision replicating this model in different geographies and continuing to partner with farmers and agricultural cooperatives to give agricultural waste a second life. And on top of all of that, I have to say your coolers are so chic. <laughs> it was visually seeing them the first time that caught my eye. And then I was reading all about what you're doing from an environmental and social standpoint. How do you choose? Is it in-house or do you contract out your design and manufacturing partners? Yeah, I'm happy to hear you like the, the way that they look. It's definitely Gorgeous. something that we've, <laughs> we've worked hard on as well. And yeah, so... Of course, like our vision is to replace plastic foam with natural fibers. And, you know, as I mentioned, really focusing on materials. But we also focus a lot on design and user experience. We feel that building a better product incorporates all of those elements, both the better materials, but also just, you know, it has to be a product that people want to use. And that means that when we're looking for design and manufacturing partners, we're really prioritizing excellence. So. We do not believe that sustainable products should be a compromise. The opposite, you know, natural products are sustainable and they are also delightful and versatile and high performance and, and beautiful in your words. <laughs> <laughs> and all of that really depends on choosing the right design and manufacturing partners. So when we first started designing Nutshell, we chose to partner with the team at Box Clever. They are an award-winning design studio in San Francisco, and they've been involved in the launch of, you know, household favorites like Caraway Cookware and Away Luggage. And mm. they brought to our team a lot of expertise on industrial design and also a really deep understanding of what makes great consumer products that people love so much that they want to, you know, talk to their friends about it and tell them about this new brand that they just discovered. And yeah, so that's what led to this signature nutshell aesthetic that gets people, you know, turning their heads and, and talking about that sleek cooler that they just saw at the park that doesn't look like any other cooler out there. So that's been really exciting. And yeah, we have a similar approach on the manufacturing side. We choose material providers that meet our certification standards, same, same with factories and whose quality has been vetted by some of the best outdoor brands out there. That's fantastic. And you're mentioning for those consumers to be able to, to purchase the product. What is your traditional go-to-market for Nutshell? Is it all online? Do you sell in retail? What does that format look like? 
Yeah, we sell Nutshell direct to consumers. We sell them through our online store at nutshellcoolers.com. We've also done special launches through online platforms like Think That's Thing and Kickstarter and other online marketplaces. And we are now starting to talk to retailers about stocking Nutshell at their stores. So hopefully coming, coming to stores soon. Wonderful. You mentioned Kickstarter. I think most of our listeners will be familiar with it, but in case we have some that are not. Could you explain what that process looked like for Nutshell and leveraging Kickstarter and just maybe any guidance you could give listeners who are maybe entrepreneurs and thinking about using it as a potential platform and opportunity? Yeah, yeah. Kickstarter is a really cool platform. It's a crowdfunding platform that essentially helps innovators bring their projects to life by having everyday people pledge money to support that innovation, usually in exchange for a special perk. And we used Kickstarter to launch our coolers. We launched Nutshell through our Kickstarter campaign in the summer of 2021. It was really successful. We reached our funding goal in seven hours, which was really exciting. And it was through that platform that we built our first community of supporters, you know, and they have supported our growth to this day. So that's been really exciting. They were involved in the design and development of the first iteration of Nutshell. And it was through their feedback that we figured out what upgrades we needed to incorporate into our 2.0 design that we launched this past summer. So, yeah, I, I highly recommend at least considering Kickstarter as a way to to launch a product. And I would say that biggest advantage is really having a, a really engaged and excited community of early supporters who will hopefully become the greatest advocates of, of your brand as, as they have for us at Nutshell. Such a great recommendation. And we have a lot of entrepreneurs who listen. So I think that could be a really neat thing for people to explore further. Another partnership that you do have is with 1% for the Planet. Yeah. Would you mind sharing how that came to be and, and what that really means. I'm familiar with it, but just in case we have some that are of our listeners who are less familiar with 1% for the planet. Yeah, for sure. It's another really cool community. It's essentially a certification and also a network through which brands like Nutshell donate 1% of revenue to environmental solutions. So we're very proud to say at Nutshell that social and environmental impact are embedded into every cooler that we sell. That's something that we really care about, you know, from the husks that go into building our coolers to the income that is generated from purchasing those husks to the CO2 emissions that are avoided and the plastic foam that is avoided. All of that is really embedded into every single nutshell. When you purchase one, you are directly having that impact in the world. But we were also really excited to join the 1% for the Planet Network as a way to support our NGO partners in the Philippines. That's both specifically Rare and WWF and also other local organizations because their work in local communities is really essential. And also they have been incredible partners to Nutshell from really day one. And yeah, being being a part of 1% for the Planet allows us to, to continue to support them in a very direct way as well. And it's also just a really great network. There's a lot of, you know, really inspiring mission aligned brands that are part are part of 1% for the planet. And it's really exciting for us to be able to stand alongside them and be able to you know, really emphasize that businesses need to be a force for good. And are you working on any projects in particular right now that you're really excited about? You may mentioned maybe partnering with some retailers, that one or anything else that you can publicly share at this point? 
Yeah, yeah, that's definitely exciting. Oh, always working on new projects. One is, well, Nutshell is our consumer brand. So for Nutshell, we make coolers for outdoor lovers everywhere. We also use our coconut fiber insulation in packaging solutions. So that's cold chain solutions for companies that are shipping temperature sensitive goods. And we have a few partnerships with food delivery companies that are looking to replace plastic foam in their supply chains with our natural fibers. So that's something that we're really excited about and where we see huge potential for impact at scale. That's so smart. And I feel like those service providers have probably only grown since 2020 of everybody leveraging their services. That's really, really smart. And so your company is incredible, but your personal background is also really remarkable. (laughs) For example, you were working at Stanford prior to your part of your journey leading up to Nutshell. Could you share a little bit more about your own trajectory to where you are today? Yes, of course. Thank you. (laughs) So I got my degree in yeah in human biology from Stanford. I was focusing on on learning about behavior, behavioral biology. I worked at Stanford as a researcher in a developmental psychology lab, as well as uh, worked as an environmental educator in the U.S. and also in Spain and Mexico, which are my home countries. And yeah, I've always been really interested in learning about the relationship between human and natural communities and specifically understanding how people make decisions, what drives their behavior and figuring out ways that we can influence those behaviors and make people or help people make better choices for themselves and and for the planet. And so that led me to continue my studies at Stanford and pursue a master's degree in earth systems, focusing on sustainable development and design. And yeah, it was it was while I was a grad student in that program that I became interested in entrepreneurship as a tool to solve some of these issues that I had been interested in and excited about for a, for a long time. And you touched on some of your home countries are Spain and Mexico. So you have lived in different countries. Do you feel... The way we maybe talk about and approach sustainability varies depending on the geographic market from what you've seen, or Mm -hmm. are we kind of all coming to a common consensus? I would love your experience in that area. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's been it's been really interesting seeing, you know, sustainability come about uh, as a topic and as a, you know, as, as a choice and opportunity for innovation in in different places. And I've definitely found that different people in different communities around the world adopt sustainable behaviors, sustainable practices for different reasons. I think that's really exciting. I think that means that there's an opportunity to get more people on board. You know, whatever resonates with with the community is, is how it should be pitched. In the U.S., I think people tend to embrace sustainability for moral reasons, which I think I think it's great. In the Philippines, interestingly enough, I I saw a lot of uh, sustainable behaviors adopted by necessity. For example, Mm -hmm. people repurposing or upcycling materials as a means to cut costs, such as, you know, I saw empty plastic containers being used as planters, for example. I, I saw that everywhere. Or also using natural materials as a traditional cultural practice. For example, banana leaves are very commonly used as plates or food wrapping. And yeah, I, I think it's it's been really cool to see that there's, you know, no lack of reasons to embrace sustainability. And ultimately, I hope that communities everywhere will, you know, find what resonates with them and, and understand that sustainability 
really just means for something to be sustainable, it means that it's more enduring, which means that it just makes more sense in the long run. I think I think we need to have sort of that that long run perspective. It's beautifully said and certainly kind of pulls the thread all together of those different pieces. You also mentioned while you were studying and then working, you were interested in how entrepreneurship could maybe play a role in bridging the gap between perhaps human behavior and then what you were seeing from the sustainability lens. Did you always know that you wanted to ultimately be an entrepreneur or was this born through experience? Yeah, no, I I did not actually. Yeah, since since I was little, I've always liked to tinker and get creative, usually with crafts or DIY projects. I really enjoy learning new skills and and making physical things actually. But entrepreneurship was never really in my mind growing up. I've always enjoyed collaborative, community-oriented work. And for some reason, I thought of entrepreneurship as a more individualistic approach. I don't know if that's because as a society, sometimes we emphasize the founder's journey. And yeah, I I don't know. It just never really occurred to me. But I found that it's really all about relationship building and creative problem solving to things that I really love. And I'm really enjoying the process and finding that's a really it's a really rewarding and and effective means to creating change. So, yeah. Hmm. And certainly, I'm sure, having spoken to other entrepreneurs, it definitely sounds like it can be a lot too. You're kind of on 24-7. Do you have any tips that you use personally that you might recommend to other listeners just to stay motivated and recommitted to the work on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's a tip, a tip, but what I feel really motivates me is just surrounding myself with people who are mission aligned. Mm. I think, you know, the most evident way is through my teammates, my my co-founder and, and the people that work with me. Every talk every time that I talk with my team in the Philippines and hear about the latest updates from the farmers or the engineers or the workers at the factories, I'm really reminded how big this ecosystem is, how many change makers are are so invested in in the success of our company and really want to see our vision realized. And that's really inspiring. And yeah, I think if you're at a stage where you don't have a team yet, even just talking to other entrepreneurs, talking to other founders, talking to other people, working in the impact space, reading about the latest innovation in in climate tech or you know, whatever, whatever impactful industry you're interested in. I think all of that and and seeing all of those innovations and hearing all those stories are really inspiring and and personally really help me recommit and, you know, remember why I really want to be part of that community who is building the the businesses and, and in our case, the materials of the future. I definitely can't be part of that inspirational community. So if our (laughs) listeners want to learn more about Nutshell or even the broader packaging company, where would you direct them to check out? Yeah, so nutshellcoolers.com. We're also on social media at Nutshell Coolers. Fortuna Cools is our, our parent company, so that the company through which we sell our B2B solutions for yeah, for insulated packaging made from coconut fiber. We also have some some social media accounts at Fortuna Cools. And yeah, always always available myself to talk to anyone interested in this space at Tamara at nutshellcoolers.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining. We do like to end every episode with the same question, which is what do you think it will take for businesses and leaders to be resilient going forward? 
Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think, and and from my experience building Nutshell, I think deep empathy is key. So when we approach problems, I think we need to think about the full system and the, all the people involved, and really work together to create solutions that stand to benefit all. That means taking to the time to understand the perspectives and needs of all stakeholders, from from your employees to your customers to partners and the environment. And yeah, I, I think and I found that this process of deep empathy leads to key insights that allow us to make better decisions, build stronger partnerships, prepare for challenges. And, and I think that's what it means to be resilient. And yeah, I think there's a lot of great examples of that in the circular economy where, you know, stakeholders, including the planet, are brought together and, and all benefit from a solution and are motivated to make it work. I think circular solutions are efficient and innovative and very attuned to local communities. And, you know, they literally keep resources in a continuous loop, which I think that's just being resilient by design. So I think, yeah, paying more attention to those kinds of solutions and, and really focusing on building empathy uh, with all the stakeholders. I love the idea of resilient by design. So thank you for all of the gems you dropped today. This has been such a pleasure speaking with you. I encourage everybody to check out your website, your social media, all of the pieces, like I said, are so beautiful. And at the same time, the mission and values that you're bringing to the table are phenomenal. So thank you once again. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you giving us the opportunity to share it with your with your community as well and, and having us here today. I hope that you've enjoyed this week's edition of the Resilience Report. If you would like to hear and see more, be sure to check out at the Resilience Report on YouTube, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Until we connect again, remember, even on the darkest of days, we all have the opportunity to be a lighthouse for others as we collectively pursue better, more resilient business. 